3: App Store or the Google Play Store today.
0: WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach, a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing. CEO Coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by the experts of online business growth, management, and development. Now, here to get you started is CEO Coach, only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy talking today about a litmus test for your startup idea. The question is, what questions should you be asking before you go out and spend money and time on building out a good startup idea? Welcome,
4: Ann. Hey, Jillian. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. It's good to have you with me. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of vetting ideas. All right? You and I, I think, have seen thousands of ideas come and go across our desks over the years. And uh, some of them were good, some of them not so good, some of them, as we say, have legs. And others uh, should never have gotten on the table, never lined off the table. But the real question today I'd like to explore is around how you decide whether whatever it is you're thinking about is a good idea and whether it's an idea worth building in today's marketplace. That's kind of a really good thing to look at before you go off spending time, money, and effort, in other words, finding teams and so on, um, to go build a new company. So what are your thoughts around the first questions you ask in vetting an idea to see whether or not it's a good one?
4: Well, I think that it's really important to... Uh, to try and solve a problem, um, in, and if you have a, if you've noticed a problem um, that you think you have the perfect solution for, then of course you have to go out and see if other people have that problem too. Um, I think that that ideas are cheap, ideas are easy. Um, engineers love to make ideas, uh, but whether it's really a marketable product depends on whether there is a problem that is. Perceived, or perhaps could be perceived, with a little bit of help, um, to uh, to solve the problem for the uh, that your product will solve.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So, basically, I would agree. Um, I'd say the first thing is around uh, solvability, right? There has to be an issue, a hole in the marketplace or a problem that can be solved. Sometimes it's not so much as a problem as a better way to do something. So, it can be an innovation on something and sometimes it's a completely new way to look at it. You could say, this is completely disruptive. Uh, Major disruptive ideas would be, for example, around communication. Remember when we all had phones on walls, for example, Right. We gave up the stability of a constant phone call that never drops and always had clear reception for the convenience of carrying it around with us. Right, and But now we don't have as good service.
4: Nevertheless. And how, how many of us even have yeah. those landlines anymore? That's right. We don't anymore, right? So
1: yes, it was disruptive to the entire industry and so on. But it was just a different way to do something we were already doing. It was just around communication. Um, and in the the world of communication, there was talking, and then there was kind of this long distance talking that was Morse code and uh, flashing, uh, you know, sounds, and then faxes as well as telephones, and then from telephones to the mobile uh, devices. Of course, the internet changed again dramatic ways in which which. which we use uh, communication systems and its underlying power. So there are many ways to look at an innovation. I understand that. And sometimes we're not solving a problem. After all, the problem, you know, has been solved. We had telephones, but we are changing how it works. That's all cool. And those can all be holes that you can fill. The real deeper question, though, is you need a litmus test for this thing. It's about context, Any idea can seem brilliant, and it may seem to fill a hole that you clearly see, but the deeper question has to be asked before you race off and raise funds and so on. What does the competitive landscape look like? And that's what does today's competitive landscape look like. Those people who made cell phones would be looking and saying, well, there's nobody else out here. The answer is no. There were plenty of people out there looking at the idea of making telephone communication mobile. And again, it wasn't a bad idea to build it simply because there were others building it. And I think, Ed, you talk about that a lot, about a healthy marketplace.
4: That's right. I've always believed that uh, competition is a sign of a healthy marketplace. And uh, sometimes you don't want to be the first newest um, amazing disruptive thing. Sometimes you want to be the second one because the first one has to educate the marketplace for you.
1: Absolutely. The education of the marketplace costs a fortune. And um, often when I have somebody who comes to me and says, oh, it looks like somebody's already doing it, I go, no, that's a good thing. Right? There's plenty of space for two or three or 10 or 20 or 50 options of the same product. Look at your grocery stores. Look at uh, clothing shops. There isn't just one shirt. There are many. So it's okay to have a healthy marketplace. Um, I'd say the second one is uh, what to do when you get the answers around this question of marketplace. If the landscape is barren, I would ask why. Then I would be concerned about whether there really is enough need in the marketplace. so you do lots of potential customer research you'd hold conversations with people who buy this product and solution and you find out whether there's the kind of money you're going to need in the marketplace to make this happen in other words the volume of uh, business that you might uh, generate and the second thing would be will the marketplace bear the cost that you would need to charge so those are two important things and then i would beg. How do you do that? And how do you do that in a broad enough space? If you're sitting in your town and you're asking questions in your town, it's insufficient if you're going to build a global brand. It's insufficient even if you're looking at a regional or national one. Make sure you hit that. So there are some pretty good ideas around how to do that. Um, I would say that uh, things like Facebook ad type things, you know, going to type tiny little geolocations inside those places to keep your costs really, really low, asking the same question again and again, you know, are you interested in this, And you know, does this solve a problem or, you know, if there were such a thing, would you use it? However you want to ask the question, of course, you can have fun with those questions to get the correct answers. But rather than blanket uh, the entire nation uh, with advertisement, I would go to tiny little pockets because that means you can get answers from all over the country in tiny little spaces that won't cost you a fortune. It's a really cost effective way of getting the answers you need second thing would be around um, making sure that you physically get on the phone and talk to people. So again, if you're talking to business people, for example, B2B products, and you get into your local area, well, that's cool. But you better be talking to people who are across the country as well as in the middle of the country. So make sure that you've got your space covered and you physically put in the time and effort to get it done. Those companies that do their early market research and do it well succeed dramatically more and dramatically more quickly than those that don't.
4: I'm reminded of something that Steve Jobs said, um, that it's hard to hold a focus group around a a product that nobody knows they want yet. And, of course, he was the king of making disruptive products for us, Um, but the, uh, uh, the point is that social media now gives us so many outlets to allow us to test ideas uh, besides Facebook, uh, Pinterest, Twitter. Um, there are just so many ways that you can use these to see what's going on in the marketplace, what's catching people um, in their eyes. And you mentioned Facebook ads, which is great, but also I think um, you can do the same tiny geolocated stuff with um Bing and uh, Google AdWords as well.
1: Absolutely. Um, I would say leverage any and all platforms that you choose and certainly make sure that you don't overexpend uh, your, in- your budget because there are really bright ways to do this in tiny uh, bits. So that's cool. Um, I would... Consider that uh, Jobs was really right. If you've invented something that nobody knows they need, never mind they want, it's going to be very difficult to test a marketplace. Um, I would look at case studies around companies that have done that kind of thing and see how it was that they approached their product development or their service development in order to make it palatable to their current marketplace. With Jobs... And with Apple, they focused their entire idea around making technology exquisite in terms of, you know, eye candy, right? Exquisitely beautiful and exquisitely simple. So looking at beautiful and simple, it makes it palatable to a marketplace. Think about how you're packaging your stuff, your products, your services, whatever it is. Will it be beautiful and simple? Will it be something else? that the entire world can get their head around so that you have something you can market. Um, We're going to take a break here at CEO Coach. When we come back, we're going to talk about what to do once you have decided to build out your idea and what else you need to think about before plowing money into it. This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach. We'll be right back.
3: Stay tuned. More on how to build your business Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com.
0: There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking. Inside and out and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy.
2: Life Tips.
3: Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser on demand
0: anytime inside the entertainment channel only on WebmasterRadio.fm We're back with CEO Coach only on WebmasterRadio.fm
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach This is Jillian Music with Ann Kennedy Welcome back Ann Hey Jillian So we've been talking about how to put a litmus test um, to new ideas and decide whether or not somebody's got a product or service that they can market. The first thing is to figure out whether or not it fills a hole that's big enough. In other words, do your market research and send it as wide and broad as what the company you hope to build will cover. Right? That doesn't mean if you want to be a global company you have to ask people in every country in the world but it does mean you better at least get through your own country and get it complete national, uh, a complete national view of what the uh, customers think. Um, The second thing would be around price points. Make sure that people really can afford to pay what you're going to have to charge for whatever product or service it's going to be, whether that would be retail or B2B. In the retail sector, we often don't solve problems, but we certainly do in the B2B sector. B2C sectors, we tend to do things like create fanciful things that people will want rather than need and then we have to take a look at what again they would pay for it what kind of expendable income would be available for it and if it is a needs-based product or service what kind of problem it is and how big that problem is in terms of finances for the person if you can get clarity around that you'll understand what kind of money your product will bear in terms of pricing. Once you've figured out that you do have something that's one, worth building, and two, can be afforded by your target market, then it's time to go and ask additional questions. It's around the barrier to entry. So if you build some kind of a product or solution that solves really important issues, that's all wonderful. The question is, can anybody do this? If so, you have a market and sales-based business rather than something that would have, for example, protected IP. If you have something in which you must simply get to the market, blanket the market, saturate it, and overpower anybody else who's going to get there first, you have some significant challenges in either the B2B or B2C sectors. So, Anne, around those spaces, um, what do you consider really important questions when you say barrier to entry? What do you look for in companies to decide whether or not you'd even want to invest?
4: We've talked about the size of the market um, and the size of either the want for the B2C or the uh, size of the uh problem that's solved for the b2b market um beyond that the barriers to entry can be um what is the uh the cost to you to build it and do you have the resources to do that Uh, Mm -hmm. i knew one inventor uh, who was doing an electronic pet entry door and the whole thing fell apart because he couldn't source one small component that had to be um, the only place he could source that was in China. He couldn't do it in the U.S., and, and that was part of the deal that had to be done in the U.S. So, so the, those, I think, could be significant barriers to entry, if, uh, whether you can actually produce this and, uh, and you have the resources to do so.
1: Okay, I would agree. Um, The barriers to entry for you getting into it are one thing, but the barriers to entry for others I think are even more important. Um, So, And when I look at companies like this, I would say uh, if you've built something, how far ahead are you than the next guy? There's always five bright guys behind you doing what you're doing. So the question is how long will it take somebody else to catch up? Uh, For example, if I am a relatively small company or I'm a really tiny startup and I do something that can be replicated by other coders, well, it will take companies like, you know, Microsoft, Google, who knows what, those kind of companies – what, a few people for a couple of weeks to get it done. There is no barrier to entry. If you have protectable intellectual property around some kind of code that you have or around a product design, if you're in hard products, um, those kinds of things would make more sense to me. I'd like to know that it's going to be a little bit difficult for somebody else to come and join this competitive landscape with a similar kind of product. For example, Anne, you were talking about uh, a fellow who couldn't source a product in the United States or piece a component in the United States, and for whatever reason, he had to build it in the U.S. Well, that means that somebody else can come in, source that product from China, not give a rip, and they will sell this product all over your landscape. Um, There's only a small group of people that absolutely say, oh, it must be made in America and this and that. Relatively speaking, in the dollars in our marketplace, it's a really small group of people. Lots of people give it lip service. A whole lot more just open their wallets anyway. So that would be a really troublesome um, uh, you know, formula for me. And I'd say, yeah, that one isn't going to fly. So once we've done that, um, and let's talk a little bit about unique selling propositions uh, around the marketing of this thing. How does that flow, if you will, not just in the States, but perhaps uh, around the world in one's ability to get your word out and get it fast, this concept of unique selling proposition?
4: Yeah, the concept of unique selling proposition is nothing new. Um, We've been talking about that for as long as I've been in marketing, which is a long, long time. And the unique selling proposition um, really needs to be what differentiates your product from others in the marketplace. And they may not appear to be the others may not appear to be directly competitive, but they may be a perceived competition in the mind of the consumer, particularly if it's a new product so or a real innovation, the the consumer may not know. so you have to have a very clearly stated um, unique selling proposition. What is different about your product that's going to make people uh, want your product over the others? And you need to be able to articulate that uh, with clarity and, uh, and uh, brevity.
1: So brevity and clarity, critical pieces. Um, I would say certainly that is something that I would look at in an early stage startup to determine whether or not uh, the idea has wings to fly. If you can't get your seven seconds around what it is you do and then the extra 15 seconds assuming you've hooked people in, I totally agree with you, Anne. Uh, It isn't a project that should be getting off this table yet. Doesn't mean that the idea is bad. It doesn't even mean the team's bad. It does mean that they have to get some uh, clarity in their own heads around what it is they're building and keep that focus for the future having the rudder in the water early in the game on your unique selling proposition what you do that's better than anybody else why people absolutely need it right and why it's better as better solution than what the other guys are offering is really really critical so that's two things that we would look at around unique selling proposition competitive landscape all of that's cool i would also say number three that's really important is around the amount of pain that it will take people to change doing whatever they're doing today often especially in the b2b sector but It happens in B2C as well, right? But think about this in the B2B sector. You have, for example, I don't know, a process for doing your accounting. And somebody comes in with a better way to do accounting. Remember when accounting was done in books, in logs and files and columns? Oh, that was cool. What was the pain point to change to an electronic system? The answer was it was pretty significant, and it was a significant effort required by companies making that new software as well as those companies taking it on. So, take a look at your own product today. Obviously, we become electronic. That's great. That's not going to be the issue. But what will it take to change from, I don't know, QuickBooks to Peachtree? What will it take to change from TurboTax to TaxAct? Uh, you know, those are some retail things as well as some business things. What is the amount of skin in the game that the customer currently has with the current provider who has done their very damnedest to put that skin in the game so that their customers will not leave them. The customers are already in this sticky relationship with the existing product or solution provider by design. And you're going to be doing exactly the same thing. You're going to be building things into your platform that make it sticky, that make people want to stay. So the question is, how much pain is involved in changing from the old ways, whatever they're doing today, to the new way, whatever it is you're going to offer? That's a critical thing to get your head around because it's a huge barrier to your entry into this marketplace. We talk about barriers to entry for other people doing what you're doing. Right? Can they get past your intellectual property? Can they uh, get past your patents? Can they catch up with you in your development cycle? Can they catch up with you in marketing if you've done some already? All of those are good things, but how about you? You're also looking at those same barriers to entry. It's whatever else exists today. So, the question is, how easily can you make your product integrated into current processes so that people more easily move to whatever it is you're offering? Okay, and uh, Anne, what are your thoughts around the ease of integration when you look at companies and you say this is an idea worthwhile or not
4: so much? I think it goes back to the idea that uh, what we were discussing before about the uh, the research um, that Dave McClure of Five Hundred Startups likes to say: find something that somebody's already doing and then make it one or two percent better. Uh Aha! And that just iterate that out and that rather than trying to be, you know, the next iPhone or Facebook um find take the quickbooks and what are the pain points in using quickbooks i'm not picking on quickbooks i kind of like quickbooks actually but um you know, find out with your uh your uh market research what could be done better what would make it a better product and then make that better product but uh, make it in small iterations when i see a company that's Trying to be a brand new something or other, I'm immediately a little bit skeptical. Um, I'd, I'd rather see somebody uh, take a problem, solve it, and show me why people are going are going to be willing to go over the pain because there's always pain, especially when you change something in a an application or a uh, uh, anything with technology. Uh, but when, once we get through the change, then we can't imagine how we got along before without it. So, mm-hmm. um, how do you make that leap? And I think you're absolutely right that the our our innovators need to address that question so that they know um, they can they know what they will do to make it worth the pain to change
1: makes good sense. I would agree that um, kind of on a broader and global scale uh, that the underpinnings of the internet itself the web, um, our communication systems and so on have been kind of sunk into the ground and now we're building buildings on top of these foundations. It doesn't mean that the foundations won't change over time. Those will be big movements and shifts of how things are done. Uh, but the smaller ones, those innovations uh, that Dave McClure talks about that you just mentioned, Anne, really make a whole lot of sense at this stage of startups in uh, kind of this burgeoning of startups around the world. Right, This phase of it is around building better ways to live and work together, and as we had those first iterations of how to do it, for example, things like uh, Facebook, then Twitter, and Pinterest, and so on, those are innovations around the concept of social communication on the Internet. It uh, the, the first idea was that there would be such a place, and we could get loads and loads of people all together, and they could meet up and talk and all kinds of things. That's great. Now the question is, how do we innovate around it? Again, this goes on and on in terms of innovations and iterations on the same idea. The first car, that Model T Ford thing that, you know, you had somebody running in front with a white flag going and, you know, warning you the vehicle was coming behind, is certainly not today's vehicles. And we continue to iterate and innovate on them. So I'm with Anne. Uh, The stage that we're in at the moment – supports the innovators if you have an idea that's just a few percent better than the last guy's idea you still have a good business idea we say keep going we're going to take another break here at co coach when we come back we're going to wrap up on the idea of setting a litmus test for your concept should you build this company or not this is Jillian nissig with ann kennedy we'll be right back
0: Stay tuned, more on how to build your business on the web with the CEO Coach, right after this.
3: I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO 221691 for Moby Mantis.
0: Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. your home for the latest on internet law and policy from capitol hill to the white house the courthouse to the state house the ftc to the state attorney general the cyber law and business report on demand anytime inside the culture and business channel only on webmasterradio.fm we're back with ceo coach only on webmasterradio.fm
1: Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome back, Ann. Hi. Hi. We're going to just wrap up here for a moment. Uh, We're going to take a look at the ideas that we've covered today around the litmus test for new business ideas. Uh, Let's see. I'd say the first one is, how big is this global pain point? And is it even worth building? Uh, Ann, what's your second idea around it?
4: Um, What's the competitive landscape? Are there others already solving this? Um, And is your solution better?
1: Absolutely. Uh, One more thing. I'd say, do you have um, kind of a tough barrier to entry? How hard is it for other people to get to the stage where you are now and to get to the next stage that you're about to uh, achieve in terms of development of the product and marketing of the product? And... uh, Any others, Anne,
4: around? Yeah. Don't forget how tough will it be to get people to change to doing things the way your product does them. Absolutely. What what is special enough about your product that will make them want to to change?
1: That's right. How hard is it going to be to pull away from the other one and glue themselves to yours? This has been Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy at CEO Coach. We'll be back next week with another show. We'd like you to stop by our Facebook page, pop in some questions, uh, hit the like button so we know you're out there. Let us know what you'd like us to cover here at CEO Coach. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, through iTunes, and through our mobile app, as well as a whole host of other services in the radio broadcasting offers. This is Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Until next time, this is CEO Coach.